morning, I'm Doug Dobing. Welcome to Subject ACT on Tuesday the 12th of July. Today on Subject ACT, we talk with Sue Rockliffe from the Conflict Resolution Service about managing neighbourhood disputes. Later in the program, Sue talks more about how to approach a neighbour about a problem and how to keep things in perspective without escalating the problem. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. The Conflict Resolution Service provides professional mediation and dispute services to the ACT community to prevent, manage and resolve disputes. Some of these disputes include family, neighbourhood, workplace and contract negotiations. Susan Rockliffe is a dispute assessment officer and a living in the community officer with the Conflict Resolution Services. She is also an accredited mediator and has been with, with the Conflict Resolution Service since 2009. We welcome Susan to our program today to talk about managing disputes and in particular we talk with her about neighbourhood disputes, how to approach a neighbour about a problem and how to keep things in perspective without escalating the problem. Susan, welcome to Subject ACT. Hello, thank you Doug. What's your involvement with Conflict Resolution Service? Well, I did my mediation training in 2008 mm. because at the time I could see potential to assist particular in my workplace to help resolve disputes that were arising from time to time. And so when I saw this mediation course advertised, it really called to me. I mm-hmm. thought, wow, I'd like to do that. I'd like to find out about that. So I did that course and took the opportunity, first opportunity I had really, to apply for work at the Conflict Resolution Service. Mm. So I've been working there for since 2009. So you're, you're a trained mediator? Yes. Yeah. And your your current role with the Conflict Resolution Service is a dispute assessment officer. <laughs> that sounds very <laughs> that sounds very powerful. <laughs> well, it it just means that uh, we help people when callers ring up and inquire about our service. We we can engage with them about whatever is happening for them. Sometimes it's a dispute. Sometimes it's a lower level kind of they're uncomfortable about something that's happening in some aspect of their lives, and mm. you know we just find out about what they need and try to provide that. Whether that's our services or perhaps referral to another agency or organisation where they can get more information. The Conflict Resolution Service, what do they do? Well, the Conflict Resolution Service was established in 1988 by a band of very idealistic and dedicated volunteers who wanted to see an alternative to the adversarial legal system for the resolution of disputes. And so the mission is to provide professional, accessible and effective dispute resolution and training services that empower people to prevent, manage and resolve disputes peacefully. Broken down, that means it's a professional service Mm. because the mediators are accredited under the National Mediator Accreditation System and the family dispute resolution practitioners are also qualified in accordance with the Family Law Act and registered with the Attorney-General's Department. So we have that professional accreditation. It's accessible because many of the disputes that we assist with are free. There's no Mm -hmm. cost for assistance from the Conflict Resolution Service and all disputes are free for people on a low income. Mm. As an indication that we're effective, the annual report 2014-15 gives a few examples of this that of the resolution rate for disputes was 85.9%. So that's an example that CRS is effectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. 
And just for your interest, that year we had 1,269 new inquiries. In case mm. anybody's interested in the numbers, mm. that's the sort of numbers we're talking about. And the number of clients we interacted with in that year was 3,072. So your service really is a professional service recognised by the courts. Absolutely, mm. yes. That is fantastic. And what would be some of the disputes that the Conflict Resolution Service assist with? Well, the full range of things that people argue about, basically. Mm. Uh, One of the biggest categories is neighbourhood disputes. Increasingly, family dispute resolution is a big part of our work, and that is mediations that are arranged for parents who have separated but need to make arrangements for their children. That's another big part of our work. We also do a lot of work with increasingly with workplace matters between people who are not getting on in the workplace. Building and construction disputes, for example, between um, householders and contractors they may have engaged really? to do okay. renovations. Wills and estates, disputes between family members. And um, most recent addition to our services was the Family Tree House, which was developed as a special service providing crisis mediation for young people who were either homeless or at risk of homelessness due to family conflict. So how would they get involved? Like how could you well, engage with you in, in relation to the Treehouse program? Sometimes it's through referrals. Mm. So for example, the, the ACT school system is quite well aware of the Family Treehouse and mm. so teachers or welfare uh, officers in that sphere often refer matters to the Family Treehouse or it could be parents themselves or even young people if they know about the service and they feel that there's a risk that they might become homeless, then they can engage with the Family Treehouse. Wow, what a fantastic service. Well, it's amazing. It was a response by the ACT government to the whole issue of homelessness and to a a tender prepared by CRS, which recognised that there were a significant number of young people who were not able to resolve conflicts with their parents. Mm -hmm. And so it's in response to that. Well, I'd love you at some stage to come back and talk to us about Mm. that program because it does seem to support a real need in our community. Today, with neighbourhood disputes, that seems to be a big issue as our communities grow. What are some of the common problems that you encounter with people in disputes in neighbourhoods? A lot of them are not so much disputes as people seeking information. For example, Mm. a frequent question is, what can I do about the fact that my neighbour's trees come over the fence Mm. to my side and so sometimes that is a matter of just letting people know that they're entitled to cut vegetation back to the fence line but Mm -hmm. not beyond it. It's an example of something which is pretty open and shut. It's just Mm -hmm. literally giving them some information. I should say we don't give legal advice. Mm. So Mm. another referral we give very often is to the free legal aid helpline which is where people can ring up. If they've got a slightly more complicated neighbourhood matter, they can at least get a a start, understand the legal dimensions of the problem Mm. and hopefully still resolve themselves. So fences is a very popular or very common common inquiry about how people go about replacing dilapidated side fences because properties in the ACT are now getting to the age where there are lots of boundary fences that are in need of repair or replacement. Mm. And dogs barking. Or, that would be common. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty common. And of course, many of those referrals go to the domestic animal services. So a big part of our work is actually helping people to take action themselves to try and resolve the matter. So mm. it's a process of education and empowerment. They don't have to have someone else fix it for them. They can at least find out what other agencies are there to support them and take action. Mm. So invasion of privacy, for example, through the use of surveillance cameras or CCTV, 
CCTV. That's a, an issue that is that creates friction in some neighbourhoods where oh, people sure. yeah, feel yeah. the need to have cameras recording what happens around their property and their neighbours can feel a bit concerned about that. So in a way, one neighbour's setting up a camera to protect or for their own safety, but it, it infringes on the neighbours. Well, it may or another do. neighbour may be concerned about it. Yeah. Mm. And so the watchword, really, for neighbourhood disputes is before you take any action, consider the impact it will have on your neighbour. So whether that's getting a, a big dog for a tiny little courtyard or putting a surveillance camera up or um, putting your rubbish bins out in a place where your neighbour is going to have to drive around them. Mm. You know, there's many things that people do without considering or thinking enough about the impact of that decision on their neighbours. So so yeah, so even before, it's almost like a preventative step, isn't it? Absolutely. To That's avoid a really important having part problems of with your neighbours is to be mindful about yeah. the size of the dog, the living conditions that you have for the dog or, or what you're doing. All mm. kinds of things like that. Yeah. To avoid frustrating the neighbours. Parking. So Parkings can be another big issue. You know, where people park, for example, cul-de-sacs are sometimes problematic because there's a limited amount of street parking and if, if people have lots of cars in their house, then where are they going to park them that doesn't affect everybody else? You know, things like that. See, that must be a challenge for some neighbourhoods because the streets are quite narrow, yeah. not a lot of parking space. If someone wants to have a party, where do they park? And Entertaining, that's another mm, another mm. thing that happens, noise from parties. And there's all kinds yeah. of ways to, to sort of ameliorate the effects of those kind of things on the neighbourhood. So in a way, if someone was probably the first step is if a neighbour was frustrated by something that's going on in the neighbourhood, they could give you a call for some... Yes. Actually, that's a quite a big part of our work increasingly is what we call dispute coaching. Yes. Where yeah. people, they don't have to even confront their neighbours to start with, but they could call the conflict resolution service, describe their concern, and just, we would help them think about, well, what might I do about that? What What's mm. a first step to take? And it could be just how to approach your neighbour, you know, yeah. what to do to try to bring about some greater understanding. Because yeah. it can be quite challenging for some people, can't it, to go, well, my neighbour's doing something that's annoying me. Yeah. How do I approach them? What do I say? Yeah. So you provide that service just to coach them. Yeah, along. that's right. Oh, and wow. give them encouragement to have a go at it because it's much easier to resolve things at an early stage rather than waiting until people are so angry or upset that they mm -hmm. can't speak or that they might get very angry when they confront their neighbour. And you're right, if they wait a while, then that frustration becomes an annoyance. Yes. It builds up that emotional tension and then they can have an outburst, which could make things worse. And that's right. And if things aren't resolved, if the, if a simple matter isn't resolved and something else happens, then that compounds on it, you know? Issue it's better issue. to sort yeah. of try and sort things out at the you know first available stage. One of your brochures talks about not all disputes can be resolved, but they can be managed. What do you mean by that? Well, I guess, one of the questions people have to ask themselves is what can you live with you know what is worth making a big fuss about is this whatever's annoying you is that an everyday ordinary part of living it may be irritating to you but is it a reasonable action to carry out in your own home or in your own garden and so people have to think about <coughs> how important the matter is to them and whether they can live with it and the other question you could say is well is it possible that I could change some of my behavior so that this doesn't occur 
other. For example, if you don't want to get irate uh, neighbours banging on your door about music going at 2am, what could you change about your behaviour to make that less likely to happen? And it may be turning it off at 12, midnight, mm. and also giving your neighbours warning. If you know you're going to have a 21st birthday party or a big celebration, just letting the people know, either by a letter in their note in their letterbox, just saying, having a big party this coming Saturday, just thought I'd let you know. Then they yep. can always choose to go out, you yes, know, for the yeah. evening. Then it sort of removes the problem. Because it is important for people to celebrate those key moments, like a 21st or yes. or an engagement or something like oh, that. Of course. So that's a reasonable thing for someone to it want is. to do. But a neighbour too, there's another side, is it's reasonable for a neighbour to, to want to have a quiet neighbourhood and not be impacted by that and noise all, as well. And it all depends on frequency, Doug, you know. Okay. Those... Mm. Those sort of isolated events, most people, I think, most reasonable people can live with that. Yes. But yeah. the other part of your question really is if they can't be resolved, how can they be managed? Well, the purpose for doing that is even if it's not possible to resolve the issues completely, people can be helped to manage the impact of the dispute on their lives. Mm. And, and some of those ways of managing it are, for example, by avoidance. If you've had an argument with a neighbour which is has become uncomfortable or acrimonious, a reasonable way of managing that is to avoid coming face-to-face -face with them, if mm -hmm. you can do it. I mean, that sounds like avoidance, but that's a reasonable strategy. If you know that you and your neighbour just see some things completely differently, avoidance is reasonable. Mm. Communication protocols, if there's been abuse, for example, verbal abuse, you could agree that if there's a problem, you're only going to put notes in each other's letterboxes. You're not going to knock on the door and have a, an argument so about it. So it's a it. safe way, yeah. That's yeah. right. Sort of, and, and also, we speak to a lot of people whose, normal, whose lives have been very affected by a dispute. You know, they're very anxious and they think about it all the time and they can become hypervigilant about mm, what's mm. happening in their street. And so we often say to people, well, look, you know, think about your interests. What what other things do you do? What takes you away from your property occasionally? Mm. Keep that part of your life going mm. and encourage your friends and relatives to visit you at home. Even if you don't like your neighbours or you've had problems with them, don't let them change your life. So they should still continue to live their life as they normally would. If they possibly can. So you're saying some neighbourhood disputes can emotionally impact someone very much mm. so because we take neighbourhood disputes very seriously. I think there's an attitude perhaps that they're a bit trivial mm. but every day you open your front door and there is your neighbour. We understand that it's always with you and so you've got to find ways of just managing that stress particularly if both parties want to stay put. If they're mm -hmm. not going to move well, they're going to have to find a way of managing it. But could there be some cases where the neighbour doesn't even know that they are do, doing something that is annoying the neighbour? Oh, very often, mm. yeah. So what would you say would be a, a good strategy? Uh, you, oh, you said put a note in the letterbox. But well, what if could you be can't, we say face-to-face -face is better than letters if there's no threat of danger if there's no risk of violence then why not knock on the door and say hi i'm susan i live next door one thing you could do is to open up the discussion is talk to your neighbor about something that you've both got in common maybe you're both dog owners or you're both obviously interested in sport some way of talking in a normal way to a neighbour and then you can say, oh, by the way, I wonder if you realise that when you go away from your property, your dog barks all the time. And they probably wouldn't even know. That mm. often happens.
You're with Doug Dobing on Subject ACT. You are listening to Susan Rockcliffe from the Conflict Resolution Service talking about how to prevent, manage and resolve neighbourhood disputes. Stay tuned to 2XXFM as Susan Rockcliffe from the Conflict Resolution Service talks more about how to prevent, manage and resolve neighbourhood disputes. Is our society becoming more angry, aggressive, angst? I think in general, there are lots of factors operating on people which make them more stressed. And one of them is workplace stress, working long hours or not working at all. These factors have an impact on people's resilience. And ability to cope. Yeah. 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 Another thing which is, I think, a factor is that smaller blocks and the increased proximity of houses, they're Mm -hmm. closer together than they used to be, means that what you do in your house is actually going to have an impact on what somebody else is doing in their house. Those sort of structural things have changed things a bit. Just generally, people don't have as much time for that casual meeting in the driveway and that sort of thing. I'm Mm -hmm. sure that, you know, most people would recognise those symptoms in their own neighbourhood probably. Mm. Susan, it's interesting you're saying about good neighbours and resolve a conflict situation. It's probably good to establish a good neighbour in the first place when you first move into your house. Do you have any suggestions how you could, if you want to say, become a good neighbour or create a good neighbour, which is a good foundation to have a healthy neighbourhood? What would you suggest? Heaps of them. Well, I'm always surprised, Doug, by the number of people I talk to who don't know the names of their immediate Mm neighbours, not even a first name. You know, I think it helps if when you first move into a property, if you take the opportunity to just knock on the door and say, hi, I'm, I'm Susan, I've just moved in next door. Uh, I live there with my family. You yeah, know, I'm just yeah. here just to let you know. Please, you know, feel free to talk to me about any problems or anything you'd like to discuss. I mean, and just exchange first names. You don't have to give them your date of birth and your... That's right. You don't have to be too too close, but it's just being polite in a way, isn't it? That's right. So at least it's opening it up and it's helping to break down this idea which seems to be that neighbours are somehow a threat. Yes. And even as they drive past at the the driveway, you can just... Yeah, just waving. Wave as they... So in a way, you're establishing a friendly neighbourhood so that if there was a case of a problem you could easily and comfortably approach them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's much easier if you know who you're talking to and you don't have to go, "Um, excuse (laughs) me, hey you, you know, if you can say Rob, you know, or whatever the name is. So I think it is good if you can just have normal interactions to start with and then you've got a jumping off point for resolving problems. I would imagine with ongoing problems, it can get quite emotional and heated. How do you keep things in perspective without escalating a problem? Well, I suppose some of this comes through self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. If you know what your triggers are, or if you know that you are a bit hot-tempered, then just exercise judgment. Just what, however you feel, just walk away and say over your shoulder, let's talk about this at another time, you know. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want to, don't threaten anybody. But Whatever occurs, don't issue threats. But often when someone is in a situation where they are frustrated, whether it's the ongoing noisy nights or the cars that are keeping someone awake, they could be sleep deprived or angry. So it's quite easy to lose your cool. Yeah, that's right. So you're suggesting even though you want to blow off some steam, it'll just make things worse. Mostly it does. And that sort of applies to any sphere of life, really. Wait Mm. till you've cooled off. You know, the old rules about not sending emails when you're angry. I mean... It's all, you've got to let yourself have time to think 
about. Instead of reacting emotionally, think about the most beneficial step to take. Do you mind if I go back to what you were saying about getting on with neighbours, as well as getting to know who they are? Fairly early on, you can establish some boundaries around what you, in a way, around yourself, what you want from a neighbour. And most people I talk to want to get on with their neighbours, but they don't necessarily want to have friendships where, you know, people are always coming into your home and sitting down and having a cup of coffee. That doesn't suit everybody. No, no. So we have to have sort of respect for each other's wishes and you can get a feel for that. Mm. And I think for a lot of people, a friendly wave and maybe a Christmas card or something at Christmas time is enough. And the feeling that they've got someone well-intentioned next to them who would probably pick their mail up for them, maybe, you know, but you... It's all getting back to that principle. Just think about how you would want a neighbour to react to you and respect other people's privacy. It's like what you said before too, is it's getting to know them. Um, You don't have to be overly friendly, but sometimes when we do get to meet someone, it becomes, well, okay, they're not that bad they yes. know they're kind they're polite and that eases the tension okay yeah. so if a future situation arises then it's easier yeah. to approach them that's right mm-hmm. and also try not to be put off by appearances too you know yeah. there are people with who may appear to to be very different to us but when you talk to people you realize that essentially many people have the same wishes yes. they want to look after their family they want to be able to relax at home just understand that in many ways we are all the same even though we may appear to be very different on the surface mm. now have you come across any any situations that you would consider too difficult to resolve? Well, what we say, rather than too difficult, we do say that some disputes are unsuitable for mediation. Things like that would be, we look for in every dispute or, for example, where people want to try mediation, which is only one of our services, but we offer mediation, which is a formal discussion facilitated by two qualified mediators. So some people want mediation and having interviewed them and thought about what their goals are, we would sometimes determine that the matter is unsuitable for mediation. And the reasons for that decision might be that the parties, one or other party, may seem unwilling to settle. For example, the argument is still too fresh or too emotive for them and that they're not yet able to think rationally and logically about a a Mm. solution. So they're still a bit too attached to their dispute Mm. to be able to settle. Another thing would be to look for some willingness to accept at least partial responsibility for what's happened because when you reflect on a dispute, that usually leads to a feeling of, well, maybe I did do this, so perhaps I am responsible for part of this and therefore... I could do this in order to resolve it. So it's that reflection, responsibility, resolution step process that we're looking for. So sometimes, uh, the other thing, particularly, we don't mediate matters where there has been violence or if there's a a threat of violence to people. We don't put uh, parties in the same room where they're going to feel intimidated by the past behaviour of somebody. So Mm -hmm. occasionally that leads to something being deemed unsuitable for mediation. And of course where there are existing personal protection orders which prevent mediation. There are some, particularly neighbourhood disputes, where Mm. we can't do anything because of those personal protection orders. So in some ways, the best thing would be if someone's frustrated by a neighbour or is in a situation is to give you a call first up. Talk about what options you could talk through or even coach them along the way. If it becomes more complicated, there's a mediation 
option? Would that be the next step? Or? Well, it's not even a matter of being more complicated, I suppose. It's just some people are prepared to accept that uh, perhaps for the long-term benefit of the neighbourly relationship, it would be good to have the opportunity to talk with them. Mm-hmm. And with the help of mediators who, who know a lot about conflict resolution so they can help the process along. So mediation is an option. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely a good idea to talk to someone about it. And quite often people say after the first, you know, 15 minutes, I feel so much better. It's so good to be able to talk about it, you know. So that in a way... It takes the pressure off. It does, yeah. 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 I can imagine if someone was living next to a, a noisy or annoying neighbour for months or years even, it must be quite frustrating oh. and it's boiling away and to talk to someone who understands who all can help resolve it a bit must take a lot of stress and worry. And Yeah, mm. that is. I don't want to diminish the incredible stress and frustration that people do feel because For of sure. some neighbourhood disputes. They mm-hmm. are extremely difficult to live with. Mm. And so and particularly in a situation which seems to be ongoing or you don't know whether there'll be any change, it's much more then about helping people to adapt their lives to whatever's going on and not to let it make their lives a misery if possible, mm. which is easier said than done. But realistically, if people aren't going to move, then what are you going to do in the meantime? You've got to find some way of, of living your life. But I've heard people say that it's not my fault. Mm. They're causing the noise. Why should I have to change my lifestyle? Yeah, that's a very common response. Mm, but mm. If we're saying if we're going, if we want to live there for a while, then it is up to us to adapt. It's unlikely that another outside authority is going to be able to change things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a free society where people are thought to have some, uh, you know, some right to live their lives as they want to, and sometimes that will impact on others. Mm-hmm. Hence, you know, my initial statement, always think about any action you're taking, how it will impact on your neighbours. If people could all think a little bit more about that, it'd be better. That's a lovely mantra, isn't it? Yeah. Let's think about what we do and how it impacts on others before yeah. we do it. Yeah. If only that it would happen. That'd be good. Now, there's other services you mentioned that are available to help people with neighbourhood disputes. Could you just recap some of those other services that are available? Well, if people are at all unsure of the legal dimensions of a dispute, the Free Legal Aid Helpline is a really good place to go mm-hmm. uh, for information. Well, of course, if there's really antisocial behaviour or if people feel personally threatened, then the police is the first organisation to call. And of course, life-threatening emergencies, that's a different category altogether. But yeah, people should never put themselves at risk. And of course, we experience risk in different ways. But if you feel frightened or really concerned, then obviously the police are the right place to call. Mm. If you've got a problem with animal nuisance, for example, um, barking dogs, roosters or anything like that, (laughs) then you ring contact domestic animal services. Some people are concerned about home businesses and how they operate in residential areas. ACT Planning and Land Authority could give information about that. And of course, all these services these days have got pretty comprehensive websites. Mm -hmm. So for example, the Environment Protection Authority has fact sheets on various things, including noise in residential areas. So there's a lot of information that people can gather themselves about what is acceptable or not acceptable. Now, while we're talking about access to web information, where can people go to get more information about the Conflict Resolution Service? Well, we've got a website. It's going to be renewed soon, but it has it will be at this address, which is www.crs.org.au. That's our web address. And you can also phone the general intake number, which is 6162 
we're open during business hours, 9 to 5, and we have mediations either during business hours, after hours, or on Saturdays. So we try to be accessible. Susan, is there anything else you'd like to to mention today? I'd like to say to anybody who's thinking that they've got any sort of dispute, give alternative dispute resolution a go, because that's what this whole area is called, alternative dispute resolution, as opposed to the adversarial legal system, Mm. where people are set up in opposition to each other, which is quite different to the collaborative approach that is the heart of mediation because it's about people coming up with their own solutions to problems rather than having them imposed by others. And I would guess in many cases people already know or have an idea of what they'd like to come out so it is respecting the people for their own decisions. And I think perhaps it also takes away the fear that people have of other people because that's basically at the base of our reactions to others is some fear about what might happen. And I think when you engage with people and you can be reassured that their motivations are often the same as yours or very similar, then that builds community. There's just something else I'd like to say too. CRS sees uh, that it has quite a role in educating the community and from time to time there are training courses run by the Conflict Resolution Service. So if people are interested in finding out more about mediation training, they can also access that through the website. Susan, thank you for joining us on Subject ACT. Thank you so much, Doug. That was Susan Rockcliffe from the Conflict Resolution Service talking about how to prevent, manage and resolve neighbourhood disputes. For more information about the Conflict Resolution Service, go to crs.org.au or phone 61624050. Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 on Subject ACT with Carolina, Patrick and Jeff for more local current affairs and news. Coming up next on 2XX at 9 o'clock is Radio Landcare. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Doug Dobing on Subject ACT. Have a great day.